Good day, gents, and welcome to another episode of Father's Fire. My name is Jody Cedric, and every week we get together to explore the joys and challenges, the triumphs, the sorrows, and yes, the fun of being a dad. And man, I'm super, super excited because this week is the first time I've ever had, ever had the opportunity to visit with a foster dad. So not only has he adopted two boys, but he's also a foster dad. So I'm really, really excited to jump into that discussion. But before we get into that, I want to remind you that I'm part of the Speak Fire family. So make sure you check out the rest of the crew. And the guys at Rethinking Wrench are always big, big sponsors of us. So we really appreciate the love that they give us. I got you. It's coming. Are you ready to ignite the fire? We are Speak Fire. Oh, and by the way, that's fire with a Y. What's going on, everyone? Internal fire. Student fire. Young fire. Father's fire. Leadership fire. Champion fire. <laughs> <laughs> Unlocking the fire within. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's grow. Speak fire. Speakfire.com. Speak fire with a Y. We have a new episode that comes out every Monday at 4 a.m. Are you going to be up with us? Deuces. This your boy Jay Gibson, CEO and founder of Rethink Rich Academy, Rethink Rich Incorporated, with a new face of finance. Get used to it. And I just want to tell you guys, if you're looking for elite financial training and coaching, but not just about investment, to help your whole life. I want you to go to RethinkRichAcademy.com. We are doing free training right now for the entire year of 2020. So join me on Facebook at Rethink Rich Academy and follow me on social at Rethink Rich. Without further ado, I would like to introduce you to my new friend, Michael Quinton. Um, He is another gentleman that I found on TikTok. I am having such great success and finding men that are out there sharing their hearts, their experiences uh, with their children and or with their their wives or significant others. And so I really appreciate um, being able to reach out to to Michael. And I said, hey, man, love to have you on the podcast. And he was kind enough to say, yeah, I'd love to talk about my experience. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh man, I, I'm super excited. So, so Michael and I, before we got on to actually recording the podcast, he and I were talking about um, his experience as a young man, and he has an angel of a mother, and he does a phenomenal tribute to his mom on TikTok. I mean, it just touches the heart, and I could, I'm like, man, you know that mama's had a big place in your heart. So let's talk about your mom a little bit and uh, give her some kudos, but also maybe your dad and how that affected you as a young man. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, with, with dad, he was, uh, he was present sometimes in my life. Uh, but it was always mom, mom tried to play, like, she played both roles. She was mom and dad consistently. Um, taught, she's the one that taught me how to fish taught me how to shoot a basketball, um, when my dad wasn't present. Um, and I would say a lot of my parenting skills or, uh, my drive to be a dad comes from the way my mom parented me. Uh, and on the flip side of it, my dad, uh, lived a life of addiction, uh, particularly alcohol. And when he was sober, he was the best man 
anyone could imagine. And so I've always took those pieces and memories and knew that I need to be some way I need to be similar to that. And then the negatives that happened when he was not sober played out for me like, well, I know not what to do. I know not to do that. I know not to talk to a child like that uh, or put my hands on a child out of anger, those kind of things. And so I got to give my mom most of the credit, but I got to give my dad a little bit of credit too. Um, just showing me the good, the bad, and how to navigate that. That is a really powerful perspective because I think a lot of times we, or I hear a lot of men, they really struggle because they had an alcoholic father or an abusive father, and they tend to really focus on just the negatives. And maybe their lives were just so overwhelmed with negatives that it's hard for them to see past that. And I really appreciate that you were able to glean some beautiful things from your dad, as well as the what not to do from dad. Because I yeah. think we often just see the one side. I, I, I can see that too. I've, I've had friends and, and I hear their stories and they talk about their life experiences, but I just, I mean, the, the, there are good memories there. And uh, I think just in general in life, like sometimes we focus too much on the negative, negative side of it that we leave out the positive and uh, there's always goodness there. It might be covered up with layers of crap, but there's always goodness there somewhere. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> layers of crap. <laughs> Sometimes you have to dig through the layers of crap to find the gold. And I, you know, and that, that applies to ourselves, right? Because as dads, I think a lot of times all we see in ourselves is the layers of crap. And we don't give ourselves grace to see the gold that is underlying that we really are making an impact on our kids if we're trying. And I'm a firm believer that you can break a cycle, right? You, you may come from an abusive home or, you know, an absent dad that worked too much or whatever, but you starting today can decide that I'm going to change the legacy for my kids. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's part of a mindset. Um, to, well, first you got to know you you got to have self worth. You got to understand that you know you, you can do better. You deserve better. You are better. And I struggle sometimes giving myself you know just a little bit of credit. I struggle with that um, because in the back of my mind, I sometimes I think I'm a horrible parent. I'm sure we all experience that in the back of all. Oh, man, I'm an awful dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, and then I'm like. Um, and then sometimes it's just looking in the mirror and be like, no, I went through hell as a child and I've been through so many life experiences to get to this moment that I'm blessed to be a father. Uh, and I, I, I've got to just at least a little bit of credit, give myself just a little bit of credit and work on it from there. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, making that decision, you know, because you had some good experiences and bad experiences, and that certainly could taint your desire to be a dad, or it could motivate you to go, you know what, I'm going to be a, a dad, but I'm going to be an exceptional dad. I'm going to take the things that were bad and I'm going to improve on, and those things that were great, I'm going to double down on and try to be 
even a better father to my kids. So you've adopted two boys. So let's talk about that decision to adopt your kids and how you've really tried to be all in as a dad. Well, I knew from probably somewhere in the teenage range, probably around 15, 14, that like, I, I wanted to be a dad. I wanted to be a father and I wanted to be the best father uh, that I could be and definitely not be those things that my father was to me and to us, my siblings and um, maybe even a spouse, be the right spouse as well. Because, you know, dad during those rough times didn't treat my mom appropriately, yeah. uh, respectfully. And uh, but w- for me, being um, uh, part of the LGBT community, I didn't, I, and living in rural Tennessee, I didn't think it was going to be possible. Uh, like, well, no, unless I settle down with a woman and that, but that's like, how do I do that? How do I, that's not who I think I am. And as I got older, I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to get a surrogate or something and pay a hundred thousand dollars to be able to have a biological child. Um, and while, and I'm a divorced dad, single dad now, but, uh, while I was married, uh, I started looking into foster care and probably about six weeks after just get, gathering information, I got that phone call from a nephew that said his four sons were put into the foster care system. And uh, what could I do to help? And that's what started. I'm like, I think that was God saying, okay, let's not worry about this getting licensed right now. Let's focus on your nephews that are in foster care. And it was like, God opened a different door. And I was all for it. I'm like, what can I do? Like, <laughs> can I have all four of them? Like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, they didn't want uh, the, four, the the siblings to stay together uh, because of um, their trauma and uh, behaviors and some medical mm-hmm. needs. So uh, that's when Blake came along in 2014. Um, I became kinship guardian of Blake. And he was three and a half years old. Came home September 8th of 2014. I actually have never met the three younger and great nephews. Um, I think we all have those family members. Well, some of us do that. We put boundaries up. We just like, we don't know, we don't need to associate with you because of your choices, negativity. And so uh, because of that, I didn't even know I had these three other great nephews. I knew the oldest, but I was like, okay, so now this child's coming to me and I've never met him. The first day I met Blake and was the day I picked him up from the DCS office. And uh, it was almost an instant, like, this is my son. Like I just, I, I felt it like every fiber of my being said, this is your son. And over probably less than a year, try to work on things with biological parents, my nephew and his uh, ex-girlfriend. And it just wasn't working out. And for Blake's best interest anyways. And that's when um, the husband and I at the time pursued adopting Blake. And of course that happened in November of 2015 two days after Blake turned uh, five. Um, And it was, it's one of a few highlights of my entire life was getting that finalized and signed off by the judge. But I knew back on September 8th, 2014, I knew that he was my son or he was going to be my son. So having the judge just to make it legal made it better, but I knew in my heart that that's what was meant to be. Uh, and then we, we go a couple years later and the oldest of the, these great nephews is still in foster care. 
and I have to become a licensed foster parent in order to actually take him. They wouldn't give me a kinship guardian of him. So I became a licensed foster parent uh, May of 2016, and I fostered Clayton uh, until March of 2017, and I was able to adopt him. And in doing so, reuniting two of the siblings, um, so that's, that's another highlight. And I knew when I was asked if I could help Clayton and if I wanted to do that, like it was like, yes, I, it, this is this is another God thing for me. Like that's another path and the door that was open uh, for me to continue being a dad to multiple children. Um, and then August of uh, last, well, I adopted Clayton March of 2017 after a divorce. <laughs> I fostered a child. Uh, and went through a separation and a divorce and adopted uh, him a month later. It was like my midlife crisis, fostering a child, separating, going through a divorce, and then adopting that child, um, which caused a little bit of confusion with the kids and trying to navigate that with children and trying to be mature and navigate that with uh, the boys. Um, so immediately after adopting Clayton, I was like, I kind of felt like the only reason I became that foster parent was to get Clayton out of foster care and reunite him with his brother. So I closed my home and then uh, August of last year, some situations with two teenagers, siblings I work with, um, they got pulled into the foster care system and the youngest one uh, sent me a text message and said, Mikey, not many people call me Mikey, but he calls me Mikey. <laughs> Mikey, can you help us? Uh, we remember you saying you were a foster parent at one time. And so we kind of looked it up and my foster parent license was still good. It was a week before it expired. And I was like, that's just another sign. God's like, here you go. That's <laughs> this is your God path. stepping in and, right there. <laughs> yeah. So then I reopened my home of August and I've had uh, nine children uh, since August of last year, whether it's been a couple nights or uh, seven, eight months. So uh, it's, it's, it's a wild ride. And on, on, on the foster care side of it, it's uh, you got some of these children that have never had a father figure zero father figure in their life may have never even met their father and i get an opportunity for a small amount of time to be that person and to continue to be that person once they're reunified with their mom or parent or guardian wow man i have so many questions because i'm, I'm thinking i know about, <laughs> I, because and, and maybe maybe we have to do this in a series because um because you know I'm thinking I'm first of all I'm thinking about you, right? Here you are, you were in a relationship, then you're a divorced dad, you're an adopted dad, you're a foster dad. I mean, you're like almost every label of dad other than <laughs> your biological dad, right? And stepdad. Yeah. And so you know, I'm just thinking about that. So the first question is, especially as you've transitioned to a single dad with adopted kids, and you kind of hinted at it, you know, trying to, you know, talk to the, the kids in a way that allows them to feel like, hey, I, as your father, I'm here. Yeah, we've had a separation, but I'm all in. And so you're compounding your own personal wound you're now the kids are experiencing a new wound because they had a loss in prior to coming to you. And I can just see the emotional baggage being really challenging for you as a father. 
for me, in some ways it was absolutely. Uh, and going back to my mom and dad who married and divorced twice, I, I always remember my mom and dad never had anything nice to say about the other one. So if I was with dad for a day or an overnight, he would not say anything nice about my mom mm-hmm. and same thing with mom. And so I knew going through that separation, I couldn't do that. And, and honest to God, since separating, I have never said one negative or bad word about my ex in front of these boys. And, uh, and though that ex didn't adopt Clayton, um, Clayton still looks at him as a, another father figure. And, um, I just, that's, that's, that was my rule. I'm not going to do that. Like I, if they did something incredibly wrong, these kids will never know if they couldn't afford birthday presents for them. Uh, they would never know because I would put both their names on birthday presents or Christmas presents. Um, I would never let them know the negative side of it or try to change their perception of how they feel because they look at them as another father, father figure, a great man. And I don't want to ruin that for them as they get older they'll gather up their own opinions and, and then we can go from there. But, and, and also just have an age appropriate like conversations. Uh, my youngest son struggles in some areas in his life. He has a intellectual disability uh, and a, a developmental delay. So um, it's, it's just learning how to conversate and have him understand um, and having an appropriate conversation that he's going to get it from. And ultimately it's like, we both love you, but it's just a time in our life that we can't live together. And in order for you to be a great adult and be successful, we've got to be separate because when dad and big, big dad and little dad is what we're called. Big dad and little dad are together. It doesn't help. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help either one of us. And so that's kind of some tough conversations were had, but um, I think, Looking back on my experience with mom and dad, that made it less tough. If if that makes any sense, no. Uh, well, and, so. and because looking back, you you saw in that example of what not to do, right? And so you were able to say, "All right, in my separation, I'm going to set some ground rules." And I think a lot of times we men struggle because we don't when we're encountered with these tough decisions, we're not looking forward and saying, all right, what am I going to do when my kid brings up this question? How am I going to respond when they ask about where, where's dad, where's mom? You know, how come they're not in the picture anymore? And to have the discipline to be able to just say, you know what, no matter what, I'm not going to disparage that other person. I'm going to allow you to have your relationship with your your parent because you have a relationship. Just because mine broke doesn't mean that yours necessarily is broke. And absolutely. And they, like you said, as they get older, they're going to be exposed to different sides of that spouse. And they're going to be able to draw their own conclusions as they mature and see other things in their life and their interactions. And so I love that you didn't disparage them and made a a very concerted effort not to do that to hurt their relationship with that parent. Absolutely. And that's, I couldn't, I just, I just, the way that they look up to the other parent, uh, I couldn't, it's, 
what kind of person or human would I be to take that away from them? Uh, and as you said, well, like when they get older, they'll draw up their own conclusions. Um, and I, I think they'll draw now. I think they'll draw some good conclusions, but uh, back then probably not so much, <laughs> but, but we move forward. Um, I have a great co-parenting relationship. I cannot say anything bad about the way we co-parent, uh, as two divorced. And, um, it's, it's, it's night and day. It's a much better relationship co-parenting than it was marriage uh, during the marriage. And, you know, a little bit after the separation was parallel parenting uh, where there's like not a lot of communication. Um, but we worked on it and it took us a couple years. Uh, but they both have, I, I feel like they both have two great male father figures uh, trying to make sure they're getting through life and that they're going to become great little men, adults. And that's really the ultimate goal, right? Is to, as a parent, mm-hmm. empower your kids and give them the tools so that they can be good husbands, good fathers, good mothers, good, you know, spouses, you know, whatever they choose to do. And, you know, giving them the tools to do that and the model to see, hey, you know what? Dad had some tough times, you know, and, but I saw him work through them with integrity and with kindness and gentleness and forgiveness and grace. And when we can model that, it gives our kids some, a real example and the tools to go, you know what, this is the way I'm going to try to be. And actually, I'm going to try to do it a little better because I saw that my dad did this and man, he was great, but maybe we can tweak it a little bit to fit my personality, my my situation and build on the foundation that dad gave me. Absolutely. I like that. So let's talk about foster being a foster dad, because I mean, you, you've had nine kids come through your home and you know, they're bringing their own broken hearts, their own concerns, their own fears. So one, how are you helping them through that and say, look, you know what? I may not be your biological dad, but I'm here, man. I'm, I'm all in. I'm invested. I'm going to be the dad that you are hoping you'd have as long as they'll allow you to stay in my home. So, and that's tough. It's very tough because they do come in, excuse me. They do come in broken, and um, I would say a majority of the time a child will already have prior trauma before coming into my foster home or any foster home. Um, And so it's from that very first meeting, uh, when they're walking up the steps to my front door, I'm opening that door, and depending on if they're little or tall, like I might be on my knees, but I get eye level with them, and I'm like, you know, welcome, welcome here, welcome to my home. That is now going to be your home for whatever time it is. And that's just having that moment. It starts building trust and have like just that first night talking about this is how we roll in this house. These, these are kind of the expectations, uh, you know, our house rules. Uh, and this is how we love. And this is how we show love um, to start building that trust. And I would say probably within one or two weeks, I, that's when I start hearing more about their story from them, not from the DCS side, but their actual story. 
And that's when I know, okay, now I know I need to go this path with them and what role I need to play uh, to encourage them, to help them. And I, I actually think almost every child I've had since August of last year have, has not had their father in their life. I'm like trying to think about, I'm pretty sure not one of those children <clears throat> had their father in their life uh, at all. Uh, Cause I've always dealt with biological moms. I haven't, I, I've not dealt with any biological fathers uh, when it comes to the children coming into my home that are from the foster care system, which that's kind of mind blowing now that I'm thinking about it. Like not one father of these nine children was around in the past or during this foster care journey of theirs. And, even when they're reunified with their mom, there hasn't been one father. I don't know why that's never hit me. It just hit me right now, but mm. that's just, that's crazy. Um, and especially the gentlemen, the young gentlemen or the teenagers, uh, they, they immediately, like they just, we just connect because they haven't had that. And for, I don't know what I do or how I say it, but they just, they connect with me and it's just, they just look at me as, not just a foster father, but a father. Uh, and it just opens so many doors and helps them work through so much trauma and still reach out to me after they've left my home. <laughs> well, and I actually, or I'm reaching out to them. Yeah. And that's actually, I think the first TikTok video that I saw of you is one of your foster sons invited you to his birthday party after going back to his his mom's home. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. You know, to be able to impact a young man in such a way that he's like, you know what? I need Michael at my, I just need him at my birthday party. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great feeling that they still like me after. The <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we even had Josh came over. Josh was one of the first teenagers I'd fostered. Uh, when I reopened my home, uh, I got his brother first and then Josh came for three months and, uh, Josh, uh, you know, you, you go through, you're going to, for me, I always gain a connection, whether it's just a couple nights or it's several months. Uh, Josh was here for three months and really bonded with my youngest son, Blake, they shared a room together. And, uh, I saw a couple nights ago, um, uh, something on Facebook. Cause you know how teenagers are, they, they, what they post on uh, social media, like, I'm like, oh, I better call him. <laughs> I need to call him and see what's going on. And he's like, do you think me and my girlfriend can just come over for a little bit? And I'm like, sure. And like, it just, he's not, ha he, he wouldn't have had that. I don't think if I somehow wasn't in the picture, uh, another guy to just talk to. And, um, and even though I, I, I'm in the LGBT community, these teenage boys, they don't care. They're like, this dude took care of me. He loved me. Uh, he made sure I was fed. He made sure he was there to listen to me cry about my girlfriend or my third girlfriend or fourth girlfriend in four weeks. Like, uh, and I just love that. They don't, they don't even, that's, that's just a small part of my life. And they, they see it as that. It's just a small part of, of his life. He's just a good guy and a, and a great father. Um, and that's, that's amazing in itself. Yeah. You know, kids really see the true heart. Right. It doesn't matter if you're LGBT or, you know, you, you know, heterosexual, it doesn't matter. They see and more than that, they see, they remember how you made them feel right. You can teach them, you can spend time with them, 
but they will always, they may not remember the lessons that you gave them, the specific things. They might pull out nuggets that just really hit home, but more than anything, they're going to remember how you made them feel. And that's what keeps them coming back to Michael. I think so. That that's actually. I'm glad you said that. I'm not going to cry. I swear. I was like, we're not going to cry during this video call. Okay, you can. I'm do it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, that makes that makes me feel like uh, there's an accomplishment there that I'm doing something right, uh, and that's that's why I'm on this path, and that's why I believe God put me on this path uh, to reopen my home and foster more children. Um, so yeah. It's, I guess it's validation in some way when they do that. They, you know, whether they're calling or inviting me to become this, inviting us all to come do this or that, or saying, do you care if I come over for just a little bit? Um, he also knew I was cooking dinner, so that's probably another reason why he wanted to come over. <laughs> but uh, it's it's good no matter what. I enjoy it so much. And, um, and I, I keep in contact with every single one of them, whether they're, you know, they reach out to me for something. Or uh, just as me checking in, say, "Hey, how's things going?" So, well, and you have such do, a calm, a and you have such a calm spirit about you. I mean, it's just like, "Hey, let's sit down, let's let's have some food, let's visit about what's on your heart, what's on your mind, and let's just unload on Michael and let's see if I can help you." And sometimes I think a lot of times, especially with boys, right? As much as they want to be stoic and they want to be, I'm a man, they need a man to that they can turn to. I, you know, most yeah. often my boys talk to Judy. I mean, and they have a beautiful relationship with her, right? I mean, they talk to her, and when they talk, I mean, they will talk into the wee hours of the night, right? But when they call me, it's like, all right, Dad, I, I want to work through something with you. And it's nice to know that they trust me and have the confidence to go, hey, Dad, I'd like to talk to you about this issue that I'm wrestling with. Just like my son, you know, we had the opportunity last weekend to go down to um, my niece's uh, wedding. And I mean, we had just a phenomenal time. And then the next day, my my uh, nephew, he's like, hey, man, you want to join us for Frisbee golf? And me and my son drove down um, following my brother and we just had 20 minutes in the car and then we were playing Frisbee golf. And on the way back, he said, Hey dad, can I talk to you about something? And so we just started talking about some of the goals that he's wrestling with, some of the life decisions, you know, whether to go to med school or whether to go in the military. And you know, it's just, it was just really fun to kind of, you know, have that moment to just kind of let him talk through and just listen. And then when he was ready to go, all right, these are some ideas that you might want to consider. And then like two days later, he's talking to Judy about it. Right. And, and just trying to get her insight. And, and I think, I think boys and girls, they need to have, you know, someone and ideally they, they get someone from both sides of the perspective um, and they can get, you know, insight and knowledge and experience from either one of those, those individuals. And so it's, it's, it's really good because I think, you know, I'm just thinking about these boys that just left your home and they never had a dad. And obviously they connected with you 
enough that they wanted to come back or to even text you and say, hey, I just want to run something by you. <laughs> I mean, that's freaking awesome. I, I, I think so. You talk about car conversations. Like, that's when it happens. It's always in the car for me. Like, that's when everything just, they just come out with everything and we're just spill the beans if they're guilty about something or uh, they need direction and something always happens in the car. So, yeah, it's funny as I reflect back, most of my like really meaningful conversations have most often occurred in the car. <laughs> it's like they, they can escape <laughs> and uh, yeah, they can have the music on, but typically if they want to talk and I know the radio just got turned off, I'm like, all right, here we go. They have a question on their heart. Yeah, that's true. That's how it works. Yeah. So, you know, now that you've been a dad for a number of years, both as an adopted dad, a single dad and a foster dad, what are some key things that you just think are really, really critical for us as men to do as fathers? I think and maybe what, what we what, some, what we should do or don't do, but uh, you know, for me, um, my experience with my father, he, he, he was very what's the word domineering? Maybe maybe that's the word I'm looking for. He's a big yeller um, and reacted out of anger, and I think that's easy for for men to do, like to lash out and voice our anger through curse words or screaming or you know, punching a wall. I think we're more known to do that stuff than the ladies are. Right. Um, and for, for me, uh, I, I used to have severe anger issues, probably from my own childhood trauma and experiences and becoming a parent uh, and a father, I realized I got to get a check on that and, um, and put myself in therapy for a little bit and worked on some things. And now I, I understand that I can take an adult time out. I don't have to respond to that situation right away. If I need to go sit on the porch, if I need to go sit in my car, if the uh, my co-parent is here, I can go in my car and listen to music for 20 minutes down the road and be able to process things without lashing out. And um, for me, saying with the kids are in trouble, I don't spank my children. I know people are, everybody has their own opinions of that, but I was spanked out of anger uh, as a child and I wouldn't say spanked, spanked or uh, physically abused. Uh, my dad lashing out when he was drinking, and uh, that's just another boundary. I was like, no, like I like let's work on timeouts. Let's work on taking stuff away. Uh, let's work on not screaming and yelling and cursing. Um, and the biggest thing for me, I think we all could do is just as men and adults is take that timeout, take five minutes away before we respond to a situation. Uh, no, no matter how horrible that situation is, it, it will still be there five minutes. When you go out for five minutes, it's still going to be there when you get back. Just to let us calm down. And we do have the added bonus of testosterone. So I think it's very important <laughs> that we take a moment away from these situations with their children and then go back and um, parent, parent those children uh, and uh, do so in a calm way. Uh, because uh, we may not realize... Uh, that one time of being overly aggressive or yelling or humiliating how that is going to be long lasting in their life. And that's, I mean, I could, 
I got things in the back of my head that happened to me at six years old and I'm 36 now. Um, if we want these um, young ladies and young gentlemen to be successful adults, I think we need to make sure we approach situations with them uh, in a positive way, in a mature way, and definitely not out of anger. That's my that's my speech. That's my spill. <laughs> no, and you know what? And I I really appreciate that because you know I've talked to a lot of dads, and their Achilles heel is their temper. Right. And it's easy, even as a small guy, I'm a small guy, but I can be pretty intimidating just the way that I change my tone, my demeanor. And it's very easy to go from here to here if I don't self check and go, you know what? You're, you need to step back. You need to take a breath. Yeah, the situation is challenging and yeah, you're frustrated. But you need to step back, take a breath, and come back. And, you know, fortunately, a lot of times my wife will step in and go, uh, Jody, do you want me to step in? <laughs> so, so to have that is, you know, very yeah. helpful for me. And, you know, and I've tried to temper, you know, that side of me. Um, and I found that when I am softer, when I lower my voice, I tend to have better conversations with my kids and they're open to my perspective. Right. And maybe they don't necessarily agree with me and with the decision that I'm going to impose on them, but at least they're in a better attitude of receiving that because dad didn't fly off the handle and I haven't been perfect at that. I'm first one to admit I haven't been perfect at it, but it's something that, that I try to be mindful of. It's the same. We're we're all a work in progress. We're never going to be that uh, that that perfect image, that perfect father, parent figure, uh, role model. Uh, but I think it's that we can acknowledge that we do need to self check and we work on that. And we work on it's not it's not just one day I'm going to work on it. It's just like it's every day, every day. Even when they're 18 and 20 years old, we still got to self check sometimes and. They typically make some crazy decisions. I'm assuming from what I see and hear that they typically make some uh, more crazy decisions as they get older. So. Yeah. They, they, what I've learned is that the decisions they make when they have, when they're older, they have longer lifetime consequences potentially. <laughs> so true. You just have to go, all right, man. Let's rethink this because you might want to approach this situation a little differently. <laughs> so, well, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with me. I, man, I just love your spirit. I can see the love that you have for your kids and uh, you're, you're leveraging the experiences that were not so good in your life, but also doubling down on the good experiences and trying to be a great dad. And I really appreciate that and want you to know that I do see it in you. So. I, I really do appreciate hearing that. Thing. That that means a lot to hear that. Uh, and I'm really thankful that I, the two, that my two boys have not broken into my room. <laughs> I'm like, mean, and now I'm kind of concerned. They've been super quiet this whole time. So that means they're getting into something downstairs. <laughs> yeah. They're doing something. <laughs> Whenever it gets really quiet in our house, I especially when the kids were younger, I knew I needed to go search for kids because they were into something. 
there's something going on. I'll have to update you in a message. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Guys, you need to check out Michael. He's on TikTok. His handle is at Quintock underscore fam. So that's Q-U-I-N-T-O-C-K underscore fam. So make sure you check him out. He has some great inspiration, great videos. And I promise you, your life will be impacted by just spending 15 to 60 seconds with him scrolling through his feed. It's, It's absolutely phenomenal. And I want to thank you guys for tuning in every week. You know, please, guys, let's just try to be a little better this week. And maybe like me and hearing Michael, I need to maybe tone down my response. You know, God, be a little bit gentler. Let Give my kids a little bit more grace because I think we as dads sometimes just go over the top. So. <laughs> but it's really all about you know, trying to help all of us men be better men, better husbands, better fathers, better significant others. We're just trying to be better men and have an impact that will last our children's lifetime and hopefully into their kids' lifetime. So thank you guys for joining me. We will check you guys out same time, same bat channel, just next week right here on Father's Fire. See